0: Hi Black Hollywood Live fans. Today we have major updates on making a murderer and marijuana laws. You are tuned into Black Hollywood Lives. Justice is Served. Hello and welcome to Justice is Served. Thank you for joining me. My name is Chelsea Galicia and I am joined by my co-host and fellow attorney, Shaka Smith. We are down one man. We still got to get our, our third woodman yeah. back. We got one that went to travel the world and the other went to join the political campaign. Yeah. So uh, I love it when we got three. But for the time being, we'll hold down the fort exactly. and bring you the latest in this week's legal news. Starting with a shocking yeah. overturning of the conviction of the younger of the two uh found guilty in the murder of Teresa Hallbeck that was covered, documented, in the show Making a Murder.
1: Yeah, I remember we did the uh, panel on the actual series, and we were all incensed uh, probably the most by this conviction of Brendan Dassey.
0: Right, so his was so upsetting because there was no physical evidence to tie him to the crimes. The Mm -hmm. only thing that Got him convicted was this confession or this kind of series of confession. It was like this back and forth. Yeah. He confessed, he didn't confess, and we saw the circumstances under which the confession came out, which were
1: absolutely shocking. You know,
0: yeah, the investigators really pressured him, saying, "I already know what you did. I already, we already know what happened. We'll help you. We can only stand by if you help us, if you tell the truth." Um, he was there without a parent, an attorney. Uh, his mother was sort of denied the opportunity and to obvious, be there.
1: And obviously we know from that video he didn't understand the gravity of what he was saying because he thought he can go back to Sixth Period and even see WrestleMania.
0: Right. He When, when they did arrest him, yeah. uh, he's like, well, is it just for one night? And, yeah. you know, that was the last night that he was ever free. Yeah. So it was under these circumstances and the fact that he has a relatively low IQ... Oh, 76, yeah. ...that the judge um, says that this confession... Was involuntary.
1: Yeah, I mean, these, these police, um, Fassbender and Weigert, used the Reed method, which they have found not to be reliable. And most of these confessions that are gotten using the Reed method are actually false. People are just wanting to get out of the room.
0: Right. So the, the, the federal judge just tossed out mm-hmm. what three lower courts had upheld because the Manitowoc County judge had upheld the conviction. So did the Wisconsin Court of Appeals. And then the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Yeah,
1: it's extremely rare, but I think in this circumstance, having that video really made the difference. And obviously, it being publicized by Netflix.
0: That was a question that came to my mind. I mean, nobody is going to admit, oh yeah, my mind was changed because of a Netflix documentary. But do you think that the series and the maybe talk all about it got enough attention that it did make a difference in this case?
1: Yeah, I would say what's become clear to me is that there are things like this happening in small counties everywhere. And it's the exposure of what was taking place that really got a harder look at this case. I think he may well be sitting in prison still, if, uh, if not for the documentary.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because it's just so traditional that the, as the higher courts go, they sort of just stamp yeah. a, what the lower courts do, even yeah. though they're supposed to be reviewing things. So this is really, really rare. I mean, you can go take a look at, like, the list of cases that have been overturned. And it's, like, five cases maybe mm-hmm. in each state. Yeah. Except for Texas. Texas had a lot. <laughs> (laughs) of Mm -hmm. overturned convictions. So now the judge has said that he's got 90 days to be either retried or let go. What do you think the chances are that he'll be retried?
1: I think they may retry, uh, Brendan Dassey. I I think... These, when when they when prosecutors get a win, they like to keep that win. It, it's just the mentality of prosecutors. And so I think it's a high likelihood they may try to retry this case.
0: I can't think, though, what grounds, what evidence they would use. Because if there's no confession,
1: mm-hmm.
0: no physical evidence, no witnesses, how, how do you think they're going to support a claim?
1: Well, they can go back and try to get another confession from Brendan Dassey. There may be some physical evidence we haven't heard of. There may be things that have taken place in that the past ten years that may bolster their case.
0: Yeah, I but what is, doubt
1: it. Yeah, I mean, I think what we did find was deleterious. Is what They had two different theories for their case. They stood up in court for the Stephen Avery case and said, one man did this.
0: And that was Stephen and Avery. And that was
1: Stephen Avery. Yeah. And after they obtained that Stephen Avery conviction, they went and then pursued the D- Brendan Dassey conviction. And so as many lawyers have already said, Obviously, if you're going for two-thirds of the case, you're not going for the truth. You're going for a conviction.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. So it looks good, I think, for Brendan Dassey. I think he's going to go home uh, pretty soon and stay uh, out, Uh, assuming he does not, of course, get in trouble for something else. But uh, the question then becomes, will this overturning of Brendan Dassey's conviction have any bearing on Stephen Avery's case.
1: And we do know from a legal standpoint, no, because they didn't use a confession in Stephen Avery's case. They never brought Brendan Dassey on the stand. So it, it never factored in um, into Stephen Avery's right.
0: case. Right. So this confession didn't sort of taint Stephen Avery's yes. case.
1: But if Certainly, if um, I think this kind of adds to our sort of cognitive um, senses that this whole thing was a sham. Yeah. And so I think it'll help in that sense, but legally, absolutely not.
0: So uh, what is exciting is that there's season two of mm-hmm. Making a Murder yeah. in the works, which will, of course, cover this, and Stephen Avery's attorney has said, you know, this is going to be her 18th time overturning yeah. a yeah. conviction.
1: Yeah, Zellner's already had 17, so uh, hopefully she does make it a great Yeah, yeah. she's 18. got
0: pretty much till the end of the month to finalize. Yeah, she uh, asked
1: for an extension, but... What she is really claiming is that she's got some damning evidence. So we'll go ahead and see if she backs it up in her brief on the
0: 29th. Yeah, can't wait. All right. And then who knew that Wisconsin was such a hotbed for legal stories, because Mm. we have another story out of the same state that normally only produces cheese, I Mm -hmm. understand. Uh, I've never been there, so I don't know anything about it. But um, this tragic story, another in a a shooting death of of a young man happened in Milwaukee that's led to some crazy, some pretty violent riots, Mm. Uh, but let's... Let's. I I want. I was about to say. Let's go back to where this began and talk about the the killing of Sylvio Smith. But it's not just his killing that is the cause of this. But it's the immediate precipitating event that has caused these riots. So, the first thing that struck me about this case is that he was in a car with somebody else when it got pulled over. Mm And the mayor did a press conference and said they were pulled over for something that seemed like suspicious activity. And then the mayor went off and really emphasized there was a gun and it was stolen and it had... 20 some odd rounds in it and the officers faced that but at the time that they were pulled over the officers didn't know anything about it so it struck me as not cool that the um, in the press conference they couldn't name the
1: suspicious activity that caused them right, to pull because you
0: still under the fourth amendment yeah. need some sort of reasonable suspicion yeah. to even pull a car over yeah so that created a spiraling series where, a series of events where uh, Silvio and the other man fled the cars. Mm. An officer um, chased him down and It's not clear about what happened because even though the officer was wearing a body cam, that footage has not been released. It's
1: not been released, but we're told they were wearing the body cams and they were operational. So we do know that we should at least have footage that we should see eventually. Right.
0: And apparently still shots from the body cam show that he was in fact carrying a gun. Mm -hmm. The question whether it was pointed at an officer, whether he had fired any shots remains unknown. I'm not even sure it makes that big of a difference. Well, my
1: red flags are raised any time I hear a suspect gets killed while fleeing. You know, when I hear a suspect is leaving a scene and fleeing the scene and they're somehow killed, that kind of raises my, my
0: alarms. So, as of now, we just know that he was struck and killed by an officer whose name was just released you today. Know. And apparently it was somebody that he knew.:
1: Yeah Dominic um, Hegan Brown, they went to high school together. they knew each other, and you know I believe his sister said that there may have been an, an issue of jealousy. We don't know if it's true or not, but these two have a little bit of history.
0: That's um, really interesting. And, that, that just came out.:
1: And what also came out was that this guy was also a local rapper. And one of his lines... This officer. Yeah, this officer was a local rapper, and one of his lines was, I'm going to start a riot like Baltimore. So it kind of gives you a little sense into the mindset uh, of this guy.
0: Wow, that is pretty eerie. Um, So, you know, the, the context of this shooting is that it came on the same, you know, stretch of hours... Like within 24 hours, there had been five fatal shootings. Mm-hmm. So this, there was sort of this energy of violence going on in the city, and I, I wonder if if police will use that to justify their heightened, uh, I don't know, trigger happiness, uh, and the fact that the suspect had had a gun and of course they're pointing to oh he had a lengthy arrest record yeah. which this is totally irrelevant and should not make anybody swayed on whether the shooting was justifiable in, especially that in direction.
1: Con- especially if that arrest record did not factor into the officer's um, assessment of the scene. If he knew him and then knew he had to, uh, uh, the uh, lengthy arrest record and knew he was involved in certain crimes yeah. that may somewhat contribute to his mindset at the time. But again, if I hear someone fleeing, it just it just raises some big flags for me.
0: Yeah, I do, you know, hear in the mind of the what I think the public is saying is like, oh, this guy was a bad guy anyway. Let's not make such a big deal yeah. out of it. He had been arrested for a number of things, only convicted of a misdemeanor, yeah. never a felony. Um, some were pretty, one was pretty disturbing, um, intimidating a witness who. Um, he had a- allegedly assaulted having his girlfriend go over and have the guy recant his story but and all that
1: but certainly what a slippery slope if we let the ends justify the means to be the law of the land
0: right and so even if this one case doesn't you know this one shooting you don't feel necessarily empathetic for that guy there are you know been five other or so young men killed by police officers in the last few years yeah. Um, that have really inflamed the community. Apparently, Milwaukee is one of the most segregated cities in the country. And just in December of 2015, the city agreed to pay $5 million for claims over illegal strip searches that included body cavity searches. Uh, 74 black residents uh, had in some way or another, either on their own or come together, file these claims, and um, we, you know when the city of course doesn't acknowledge any wrongdoing but hands over five million dollars,
1: you certainly have a sense that something's not right
0: yeah so uh so to me you know the the riots are understandable, even though. You know, we don't like them.
1: Well, yeah, it's a pro- it's a product of I, that feeling of oppression, just
0: absolute frustration. Yeah, not. Yeah, we're not going to
1: justify them, but certainly we we have to understand where it's coming from. But I, I would note that a lot of people in the community went ahead and swept up some of the debris from the riots. They went out and cleaned up the streets. So when you're talking about riots, you're not talking about the entire community as a whole. There are people that are out there advocating for nonviolence. You have his sister who already condemned the violence because they recognize it's hurting the community. But I think. a a lot of times after events like this, you get that moment of reaction. And yeah. so we're seeing a response to that.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, well, the ironic thing is Mil- Milwaukee had sort of submitted itself for review mm-hmm. voluntarily. And had that not happened, I think maybe after this, the DOJ would have stepped in. But it seems that this is one more city added to the list of Baltimore and Ferguson, where the DOJ is going to come in and help... Inst- institute some new policies and and direction.
1: Yeah, and hopefully cities look at this proactively and start doing the same because these cases aren't isolated, you know. I think there's tons of cities where they're suffering through racial tension, so.
0: Yeah, hopefully the cities see it coming and they do something about it now to prevent it from happening, yeah. Okay, and we'll now take a break from our covering news out of Wisconsin to uh, hear a word from our sponsors through the mouth of Shaka Smith.
1: Yes, uh, thank you, General Assembly. Uh, looking for a career in tech? Uh, I guess we all are these days, right? Absolutely. Uh, maybe business, data, design, or marketing. Trying to get that promotion or raise. Who is it?
0: For sure, that marketing thing.
1: Yeah. To excel in the career, you need 21st century training and skills. General Assembly is the largest and most respected school worldwide for people seeking to grow their talents and master the marketplace. Whether it's learning remotely online or in person at one of their beautiful campuses, you can join the 350,000 people who have already gotten the training needed to propel careers in tech and business. Wow, that's a, a lot. lot. Wow. More than 2,500 companies worldwide hire GA's graduates, with 99% of graduates who participate in GA's career services landing a new role in field within six months of starting their job search.
0: Really impressive. Would
1: have been nice to have that command out of law school, 99%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take control of your talent and career now. Find out more at ga.co backslash geek. That's ga.co backslash geek. Enter the promo code geek, that's G-E-E-K, to save on your first class workshop or event. Again, that's ga.co backslash geek. Code word geek.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, General Assembly, and Shaka for reading that. Um, So now let's move on to a settlement that was reached in the shooting death of Akai Gurley. He was the gentleman in the stairwell in the housing project in Brooklyn, uh, just randomly. I mean, like, how, how this happened is just crazy, where an officer... Peter Liang had his gun out, going through a dark stairwell. Something spooked the officer. And he, he
1: shoots. Pulled yeah.
0: the trigger, and the bullet ricocheted off the railing or something and hit him. Who he was down, you know, one lower yeah. floor. Uh, the officer had been convicted. The judge, you know, brought the, uh, the charges that he'd been convicted down yeah, yeah. to. Basically saying it was an accident. Yeah,
1: so now I think he got probation,
0: right? No jail time, uh, but now the city uh, will pay. Well, in total, there's going to be four point five million dollars going to his four year old daughter, mm. and that's uh, four point one from the city itself, uh, four hundred thousand from the housing authority, probably because there were no lights in the stairwell and that contributed to the death. And interestingly enough, some money personally from the officer, $25,000. I was surprised not by the amount, but by the fact that the officer personally has to put money towards that settlement.
1: Well, well, I think it's only fair with his mistake, and obviously he's not getting jail time. And I think it's kind of an equitable solution. It seemed like it was a genuine mistake, but it was reckless. You're in a position of power, and you're dealing with lethal power. So.
0: So I, it totally seems fair. I can imagine there's people on the other side saying, you know, when you make a mistake at your job, it, you don't have to pay money for it. Yeah. Um, well, so Yeah,
1: this goes over and above a, a job mistake. Though. Yeah,
0: I totally agree. I'm just trying to think of what are people on the other side of this uh, going to say. But I do agree that he should be paying something, and 25000 seems like a relatively fair amount. Uh, the money is going to be paid out to uh, the daughter in a structured settlement,
1: a Kayla Gurley, yeah.
0: So when she gets, becomes 18 years old, she'll start getting so that she, money.
1: She's four years old now.
0: So she's so got to wait a while.
1: Let, let's say that again. She's four years old now, her father is dead, and she doesn't get money until she's 18. That, to me, is where I was a little incensed about this case.
0: Well, she can, the mother can uh, petition to receive yeah. a monthly stipend.
1: Which, why is that not part of the settlement? Well, why is it the fact that this father can no longer raise his child and provide for her, that she's not getting care and provision between 4 and 18?
0: I, I, I imagine that they they know that she can apply for the monthly stipend and will probably get it. I imagine that the reason why the default is that the daughter can't get it until she's 18 is because nobody under 18 can legally receive money.
1: But we know that you put money in trust for parents to use for their kid, and certainly setting aside a million between 4 and 18, and having her start receiving her structured payment 3.1 at 18 would be, would seem a lot more equitable. Uh, I just don't understand why between now and the critical time that she needs her father and his support, she's not getting it.
0: Yeah. Interesting, but I do hope that the monthly stipend comes out to something that, that is, is fair. And, you know, the mother said that she's going to try and raise her daughter so that, um, a Kai would, would be proud of her. So mm. it seems to be, I don't know, the, uh oh. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. Uh, it seems to be sort of like the going rate for a police officer killing somebody, uh, four or five million dollars. Yeah. Um, this is going to start getting really expensive for these cities, don't you think?
1: Well, yeah, I think that's the point. I would think now the cities having to face this kind of and having kind of a blueprint for what they need to pay would make them take steps to avoid this. All right. So invest in their cities and invest in police departments and training so that this is not a common a
0: commonality. We certainly hope so. And. It seems to me that the city of uh, Compton or Los Angeles is soon going to be paying a similar size settlement to the family of Donnell Thompson. He is the man killed on July 28th in Compton by an officer with an assault rifle standing in an armored car.
1: Yeah, called the Bearcat.
0: Yeah. yeah. Thompson had not done anything, but was confused for a carjacking suspect that had just led police on a chase that involved an exchange of gunfire. A
1: carjacking suspect they already had in custody.
0: Right. So, the the <laughs> the carjacking suspect fled, hit a car, somewhere there was shots exchanged. Yeah. He hit a car, so he jumps out of the car, runs towards these houses, goes into a house, throws the gun under a couch. I mean, I can't even make this up. This sounds like it belongs yeah. in a movie. Strips down naked, throws his clothes somewhere, and jumps in bed.
1: With an elderly woman.
0: That he doesn't know. Yeah. Trying to uh, evade police. Police find him anyway. Yeah. But at the same time, like yeah. within seconds of that, some man is calling the police claiming... That there's a, a man or a figure in there in his front yard. Yeah. And the man in the front yard apparently matched the description of the carjacking suspect. And at the time that
1: they're going to pursue Donald, who we now know as Donald Thompson, they already knew they had this other guy in custody.
0: But somehow communication was not good. Yeah. And the armored car rolled up to the scene mm. and started shooting, not. Uh, Gunfire at him, yeah. but different... So they
1: detonate flashbangs while he's, like, I guess, sleeping in the, in the front yard. Right. They don't wake him with the flashbangs. And so at some point, they, they fire foam bullets at him. And he gets up from the foam bullets, and he runs towards the armored car, and they shoot him in the torso. Right. I, I still don't understand what's the need to shoot someone who is, A, unarmed, that's running towards your armored vehicle so you know you're protected.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. For a while, the sheriff's department just said he was the second suspect in this carjacking, and then just this week, finally admitted, okay, no, he was totally and completely innocent. This man had no record, no, um, no weapon. Um, they they refer to him as Little Bo Peep in the community yeah. because he was just you know a shy um, guy. You know, going about his life, not sure why he was sleeping in somebody's yard, but that does not warrant being shot to death. Yeah,
1: and and it's a shame that these police departments are so militarized now that this is the steps they're taking. And you would think in this particular case, you would think in this particular case that militarization would have actually helped them because they're in armored vehicles, so there's no need to shoot this guy.
0: They shouldn't have been at all in fear for their own safety. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really understand it either. Yeah. Um, so I think for sure we know there's going to be some sort of monetary settlement yeah. uh, sort of on the order of Akai Gurley's yeah. uh, daughter's settlement.
1: And ultimately, it as taxpayers, we're paying for this. We're paying for our, our, our police department's misdeeds.
0: Right. The question, though, is is whether the officer who fired the shots um, deserves criminal charges.
1: Uh, I, again, I typically don't like to second-guess an officer's judgment in that moment. But given the, the facts of this case, I would say so.
0: Yeah. Uh, it would be exceedingly rare that we would see charges like that. But, but I it, think...
1: It it reads read like an assassination.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, I can imagine that the officer would think in his mind, in my mind, I'm thinking, this guy matches the description, which was very vague. It was only like black man between the 20s and 30s wearing dark Short and like a
1: tank top and or a basketball, basketball jersey, jersey. Yeah.
0: sounds like a lot of people yeah. um, but that you know the officer says he matched that description he was in the neighborhood he was not complying with uh, you know demands or not responding to these foam bullets being shot at him I'm not sure how somebody is supposed to respond to those well uh, and then charged at me
1: wait while he was in the armored vehicle
0: right yeah Um, and I, I couldn't tell while he was laying down if there was a weapon or not because of the way that he was sleeping. Apparently one hand was under his head and the other was, like, around his waist, maybe hiding his hand underneath him. So it was possible that he maybe had a weapon because the carjacking suspect had a weapon and had at least fired at police officers. So I can already imagine the story that the officer is... Telling himself and prepared to to tell, but at the point he's
1: charging you, you must see he's got no no weapon in his hand, and you're again in an armored vehicle,
0: right? Where you could have just ducked down.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. It'll be uh, interesting to see how that goes. I hope this is not another time that we are disappointed by the decision not to bring charges. Uh, oh, and we almost forgot to touch on the breaking news story about oh, Cosby. Yeah. Um, So we're waiting with a bated breath Mm -hmm. for this trial to begin. Uh, We talked last week about some hiccups for Cosby, and now another one.
1: Yes, it it seems his lead attorney has um, resigned the case. So we don't know exactly why she's resigned.
0: This is Monique Presley. Presley. She was the one who was going around all over TV, on these interviews, speaking a mile a minute, not making very much sense, but just really passionately... In defense of Cosby.
1: Yeah, and pushing the fact that he was blind and she had to assist him. But, you know, so we do know that the other side had requested she be removed some time ago from the case because during a deposition, as an attorney, you can only practice in certain jurisdictions.
0: In a state where you were barred.
1: Exactly. And so you do need to apply for special permission to practice in other states. And apparently during a deposition, she didn't do that. So they were asking her to be removed from the case. We don't know if that has anything to do with why she's left now. But um, we know it's happened, so another setback for Mr. Cosby. Hmm.
0: All right. And we'll certainly bring you any um, updates on that because we are just waiting for this trial. I can't wait for that to begin. All right. And so now some bummer news to leave you with. Um, The DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency, Mm -hmm. uh, was given the opportunity, was asked... To reschedule marijuana. So a little bit of background. Under the Controlled Substance Act of 1970, you know, marijuana was placed in a category. These schedules were named for how addictive a drug was or for how useful it was medically. Yeah. And therefore, the public's ability to... Get a hold of
1: it. And so it's assigned to Schedule 1 saying it had no medical value whatsoever. Right.
0: So it's up there listed with heroin and LSD. LSD. Uh, And much of the public, including myself and even members of Congress, have said it's time to either reschedule it or or deschedule it altogether. And the DEA decided, nope, we're going to leave it as Schedule 1. Did that make sense to you?
1: No, not at all. And it makes it just more difficult to study the drug. Um, The only somewhat upside to this is right now it looks like University of Mississippi has the only sort of license from the DEA to grow marijuana and to study it. And they have decided to say that they're going to offer more licenses um, to different institutions that apply and, you know, follow certain protocols.
0: Yeah, I saw that and then I was like, it's kind of a red herring good news because, first of all, there is research that's already been done Decades ago, yeah. by government agencies, showing that it was safe and effective for cure, uh, curing or alleviating medical conditions. Mm-hmm. So we already have that. It's just like decades old.
1: Yeah, and certainly we would. We can get more of it if they move it to schedule two.
0: But the question then is: All right, so now the the DEA is going to open up the number of facilities or groups or organizations that can study it. Yeah. All right, and then they're going to have these studies. These studies go for years. Mm -hmm. Studies have to go over 10, 20 years, if not longer, and then many studies need to be duplicated before anyone starts to give them any kind of credibility, right? So this, for me, I see is just a delay tactic because I think the evidence already exists within the government studies. They just don't want to acknowledge them. This is just going to drag things out further, Meanwhile, we're going to have, you know, billions of dollars that we keep wasting on this deadly war on drugs. Yeah. We're going to have millions of people who have medical conditions like children with epilepsy who could be helped with cannabis and who will not be. Yeah. And we're going to continue to pump in these dangerous painkillers into our society that have led to tens of thousands of people dying a year,
1: yeah, and and we're not talking about them moving um, pot to Schedule Two. We're talking about them making drugs that are derived from marijuana to Schedule Two. Whether it's CBD oils that actually don't get you high, right, right. that are you know used for epilepsy and seizures. So we're not talking about traditional pot, and I think that is what's really upsetting. We're talking about actual medicinal marijuana.
0: Yeah, and then the other part, the problem for me is that in order for the DEA to change its scheduling, it's going to want the FDA To be on board. Mm -hmm. The FDA is incredibly powerful when it comes to any food and drug, obviously, Food and Drug Administration. All right, fine. Who controls the FDA? Who influences the FDA? You know, when you look at who does, you can see that it's people in. that come from or who represent big pharmaceutical companies, big agricultural companies, and these companies do not want to see marijuana legalized overnight because yeah. it will cut into their bottom line yeah. drastically.
1: And once you see those companies start to prepare for marijuana being legal and they feel they're ready, then that's then you'll exactly have the problem. Yeah. We're
0: doing this delay tactic so that big businesses can line themselves up, can patent all sorts of things and sort of screw out the small entrepreneur who wants to Eliminate get in a competition this. yeah right and meanwhile we've wasted all this money and thrown away countless lives we keep continuing making arrests we still have 500,000 nonviolent drug offenders in prison that we have to you know pay for and who are losing their lives just rotting away in jail
1: all in the midst of an opioid crisis that is on schedule too so
0: this is what makes me so incensed about This decision, and you know, I don't have very much faith that things are going to change anytime soon because I see you know Hillary Clinton, who is likely going to be the next president, I would much prefer her over Trump, but I don't like the fact that I think these same players from the FDA and the DEA and are going to be like running amok. This is the same thing as like the SEC is overseen by people who come from Wall Street, who still have ties to Wall Street, who will go back to yeah. Wall Street after their you know bout at the SEC. And so the same thing happens in, in these federal agencies. And so this is why I'm like, come on, people. This is well, why we needed Bernie. But you know, well, we don't vowed, have that choice now.
1: Hillary has vowed to reschedule. So Hillary has vowed that when she's in office, she's going to reschedule marijuana.
0: All right. Well, in the meantime, we just found uh, out—I guess it was today—that a Ninth District Court, so that's the federal district that is on the west side, so west side of the country, which includes California all the way up to, you know, Washington. And there were about ten cases Mm -hmm. where the Department of Justice was going after patients and growers for medicinal use of marijuana. And the Ninth District Court said, uh, Ninth Circuit District Court said, "You can't do that, DOJ." Congress has said we're not putting money into the enforcement of the federal marijuana ban, so you have nothing, yeah. no teeth to go after. So you cannot these people use with.
1: federal money to prosecute people that are in compliance with their state law.
0: Right. So that is like a teeny tiny bit of good news, although the judge who wrote the opinion did say at any point Congress tomorrow can decide to put money back into that. Yeah. Um, I doubt very much that that's going to happen. Congress is on vacation a lot and can't really address anything that needs to be addressed. So I don't think that this is um, going to be um, sort of overturned. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a very teeny bit of, of, of good news in what I think is a really bummer of a situation, yeah. to put it lightly. All right. Well, and have we covered it all? Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, I think that's it for us today. Thank you so much for joining us this week, and join us again next week on Justice is Served. You can always reach, tweet, yeah. uh, comment, like. I'm five at Chelsea stars. Galicia.
1: I'm at Shaka Strong on Twitter and Instagram. Like us, give us five stars.
0: And we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristin, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, The views expressed here are those of the whole owners and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.